The Free For All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Fast Bednar is here, Executive Director and the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. Toronto lawyer Courtney Betty from Betty's Law and Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show. Nice to see you yesterday afternoon at the Hospital for Sick Kids fundraiser. Yeah, it was great. Uh, thanks to everybody who contributed, everybody who called in, somebody uh, made a donation of $10.10 and then said to the person on the phone, do you get it? (laughs) And then, you know, people made uh, incredible donations. Companies stepped up and doubled donations. It was uh, was great. I didn't hear the final total. Well, we're going to get a new total because, you know, we kind of draw the the curtain at 6 o'clock, but it was $146,000 at that point. And the head of the foundation is going to be here this morning to let us know how much more came in. Well, it'll be more because actually you made that announcement yeah. and and signed off and my phone rang because I was on the phones yeah. and so I took some, you know I took some more I mean what are we going to do say no oh you got till the end of the year if you want to go to newstalk1010.com and then of course you get that tax receipt if you want to be just a little bit tactitious about it let's start talking a little bit what tactitious <laughs> Today's word, uh, boys and girls, is tactitious. <laughs> Work it into a sentence later on in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into this. Young Dundas Square is going to be renamed with a concept I had never previously heard of. And as a matter of fact, it, it eludes me at the moment because I'm rifling through my papers to remind myself all over again. But it's something, it's kind of a philosophy from Ghana. Uh, let me start with Vas Bednar. What do you think? I mean, I didn't even know it was officially named Young and Dundas Square. I thought we literally just called it that because of the intersection. So I think it's intriguing. I don't know that the word will retain this meaning from where it originates. And I don't know that Young and Dundas Square is going to be a place where people do uh, reflect but it opens the conversation. Yeah, I'd like to see the rest of the short list, and it seems like a bit of a surprise, because I thought a process like this, Courtney Betty, would involve a little bit more uh, consultation. And just to get the word out there, it's Sankofa, Sankofa Square. And everyone, I'm sure, right. is going to say, who's who's Stan Kofa? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, John, you know, as Vaz said, I, I myself, I didn't even know that Young and Dundas was a designation. I just thought that's what we called it. But here's the challenge that we have. No matter which way we go on this, there are going to be different views. And so there should have been, in my view, like this sort of comes a little bit of a surprise, a little bit of a broader consultation in terms of what the name should be, having already made the decision that the name is going to change. But again, you know, the, the concept of bringing people together, which is what we're trying to achieve, it's now going to be, in my, in my view, uh, spread apart a little bit more. Jerry, at the risk of being offensive, it just strikes me as kind of uh, high-minded and um, abstract. Well, okay, pick another country. Or twee. Yeah, pick, pick another country and uh, another language and find a word that has a positive meaning and use that. Like, what, did they roll the dice? Did they throw a dart at a map? Like, this, this doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't attach to Canada in any way at all. I mean, it could be Toronto Square, something like that. Square McSquareface, that's my... That, uh, that would have been my vote. Yeah, Square McSquareface. Uh, meanwhile, I love this story. Apparently, the TTC was staffing stations on the LRT 
after the LRT stopped running. And so, Jerry, you know, I would have done my LSATs or something if I'd had that job. Well, I heard you say that on the air this morning, and I just immediately got in my mind some guy in a chair with his feet up on a desk and the chair tipped back reading a latest uh, novel, Jack Reacher novel or something. Like, it just uh, who thinks it's a good idea to staff something that's closed? Like, maybe there's a need for a security patrol once in a while, but other than that, it's amazing. You know what it reminds me of? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, you know, music used to be live on the radio, and then they, they figured out, you know, we can play records. And, and the music... The, the musicians' union demanded for a while that there had to be a musician there, and he would sit in the corner and read the paper while the disc jockey played records. Well, people of a certain age will remember they used to have a fireman on a train locomotive in order to tend to the fires while the engineer drove the train. And Uh when we went to diesel, the firemen's union made them still put a fireman sitting there doing nothing. And people are surprised. I think unions are often stupid. Uh, Courtney Betty, I have this sort of Wes Anderson vision of this, this person sitting in this absolute silence, uh, silent subway station or LRT station in the box with the, the lights overhead going click, 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 click. All I'm thinking, John, is, you know, efficiencies within the transport system and the fact that this is just another example, we keep complaining we don't have enough money, all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, it's how do we use taxpayers' money? I mean, people were buying, t- could still buy tickets. So for anyone that needs to come to a station, it's one person. Um, and they're sort of saying it was for uh, a customer service perspective. I appreciate when I'm able to speak to someone when I need a little bit of help, and I sometimes do, uh, riding the TTC. I often need it at their stations that are still not accessible, despite having 25 years to do that. I guess that's just the flip side. Also, don't forget, it's firefighter, firefighter. Well, what did I say, fireman? Fireman. Sorry. I still oh, occasionally man. forget to say fishers. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. I know. I get it. I hear that joke. <laughs> oh, okay. woman. Oh, um, I feel like we've discussed the beer store and alcohol to death, but let's take one last kick at the beer can. Uh, Doug Ford saying yesterday it's time to treat people like adults. And, uh, Vass, I'll start with you on this one. Honestly, I've had a few people who object to this move on the show, and they never seem to make an argument that is that um, persuasive. It's kind of like when we were banning plastic bags and people said, but what about people who make plastic bags? Yeah, I mean, look, we're changing the distribution, we're expanding the distribution, but I don't think we're changing overall how alcohol is regulated, frankly, from a price perspective. So this isn't going to bring more competition to the space. I don't think so. I don't know, right, uh, what that's going to mean from the pricing aspect. And I know that people have these concerns around public health, and if something is too accessible and can be harmful, you know, we should kind of gatekeep a little bit more. But there's still a form of gatekeeping when you're at these stores in terms of people uh, making decisions whether or not to sell to someone, having to check their ID to make sure they're they're not a minor. So I wonder if this is a bit kind of mm, not strong enough a rationale to prevent 
the kind of breaking up of this distributional monopoly. Terry Agar, somebody was observing that this further normalizes alcohol. I think alcohol is fairly normal. Yeah, it is fairly normal, and that goes along with uh, something that you know the announcement was made yesterday uh, officially when I was on the air, and somebody wrote to me and said, well, "This just makes alcohol all that much more available for problem drinkers." You could declare that the only place in Ontario you can buy alcohol is North Bay, and the problem drinkers would make the trip. That's the those two things don't go together. Courtney, Betty, are we on the road to perdition? Uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it really comes down to, is it going to cost less? Because all of the other mechanisms are going to be in place. You're going to have to check ID. You're going It's still a regulated product, and the government decides what the regulation is. It's just whether or not we can have some competition. And hopefully, if you have competition, that we'll see a, a drop in prices. And also a variety. You know, that's the other part of it as well. Uh, Let me stick with you for a minute, Courtney, because I'm sure you have some thoughts on this. This report came out yesterday that analyzes data from 2008 to 2013, so it's not exactly a contemporary snapshot, but they analyzed the data from police stops and found that black people were more likely to be stopped, more likely to end up in conflict, more likely to be arrested. Well, John, you know, this is a real challenging issue. We've dealt with it so many over the years, over the years, continually, and you know, we just recently had the, the Senate come down and found that the Canadian Human Rights Commission, for example, was discriminatory towards black individuals that had filed um, applications there. We have a challenge, and I don't think that we've taken this problem seriously enough on a, on a, on a, on a societal level, on a leadership level. Blacks, I think right now, we're about 7.8% of the population. So we've got to try and figure this out at some point in time as to how we build a society where the black community really feels part of Canadian society. Fast Bednar, your thoughts? I mean, echoing Courtney, I think it's really important that we have this data and information. I know it's somewhat imperfect that the study kind of ends uh, before at, at 2013, and then there's surveys from from 2019. Uh, we don't want Toronto to be kind of held up as this uh, example where we're unable to resolve these these biases and kind of learn from them. So I think the research is is really important. But what are we going to do next? Well, More than 100 recommendations sometimes. Yeah feels like too much to me. Like if my student handed that in, I'd be like, that's so cool. What are we actually going to do? How do we prioritize that? Okay. So, um, it, it, Courtney is right. We need to take this seriously. One of the ways you take it seriously is you do the other part of the equation, and that is uh, race-based statistics in crime. Uh, how does it match up? And they, re- they they not only refuse to do it, they've made it illegal to keep track of who's doing what when it comes to crime, and that has to be a part of it. Lori Goldstein has a great column on this in the Toronto Sun this morning, and he pointed out something that I was unaware of, and that is that uh, blacks are overrepresented from a population standpoint in stops and arrests and, and and who comes second? White people. White people are interacting with the police percentage-wise and a higher percentage than all other minorities other than black people. So is there a bias against white people? Like, I think what we're trying to do is make a decision with only half the homework done. Well, six years but you got also, homework. you also got to look at, at the percentage of the population, Jerry, so it's very difficult to say no, 7.8% per capita we're talking when you oh, oh, per capita, okay. Did you have any follow thoughts on on that, Courtney, or do we keep moving? Um, I'm in agreeing. I I have no issue with race-based stats because I think at the end of the day, we're going to demonstrate that there's a problem that we can start looking at finding solutions. 
A Senate bill would require age verification for Canadians accessing porn sites. I guess I, well, let's start with the digital person on the panel, Vas Bednar. I mean, I'd rather see us come forward with a broader approach to online harms. We're trying, we're seeing more of kind of a focus uh, on on children, but protecting people from what's appropriate for them to see online as it pertains to age is difficult. And maybe it is something we should be thinking about. Well, I just don't know yeah. if it's the right priority for now. How would it work, though? I mean, would you have to submit some kind of ID? I mean, anybody can say, yes, I'm 18. You know, a lot of ID verification right now, it is ultimately algorithmic, but have you ever had to like update, put a picture of your driver's license to verify your Airbnb account, something like this? Okay. Well, Jerry, not that I ever watch porn, um, but I would not give my driver's license to somebody. No, but if you're a sneaky smart kid, you're you're putting your dad's driver's license on the site. Like I don't. Uh, I, no, I, and it's a picture of you too. It's a it's a selfie of you and holding the ID. No thanks. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so Vaz, would a porn license would that be a good thing for us to do? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I just think that the, 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 the Internet is such a Wild West thing, and uh, young people especially are very good at being tricky uh, on the Internet and such that I, I just think it's, uh, you know, heart in the right place of the people who want to be able to keep kids off porn, but I, I, I can't see the practicality of, of making this work. Okay, Courtney Betty, last word. The, the biggest challenge is, is not really the young people. I mean, the, real, the biggest challenge is how do you regulate the content that they're going to be able to see in general. And, and, and that's the problem that, as I see it. Thank you all. Good to have you. Courtney Betty, Vas Bednar, Jerry Agar. Always good to be able to tap into some people's unique training and uh, life experience. And that's what we do on a lot of our panels. Coming up in the next half hour, Peter Bethlen Falvey, the finance minister, is going to be here. We're going to talk beer, wine, and coolers. And then Scott Hurst, CTV national reporter, with some interesting new information about trends in housing and how older people are choosing to live. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.